Welcome to Shelter Cove Online. We are so glad that you're joining us today for this sermon. We hope and pray that this message encourages you, that you learn something, that you enjoy it. But more than that, we just pray that God would move in your life, that he would reveal some more of himself to you today. If you would like to respond to this message in any way, you can contact us at sheltercovelive.com. Have an amazing rest of your day. So glad that you're here with us today. My name is Jeremy, one of the pastors here. If this is your first time here, definitely want to say welcome. So glad that you're here with us today. Also want to let those know online that we are so glad that you're tuning in with us today. Hey, if you have your Bibles, meet me in Matthew chapter 7. Matthew chapter 7 is where we're going to be. If you don't have a Bible, that's okay. We have you covered. Feel free to raise your hand and... Uh, the verses uh, are also going to be on the screen. A uh, great way to track with us today. We are starting a brand new series titled Under Attack, Building Strong Families. Now, it doesn't matter what season of life that you are in, this message series is going to be relevant for you, especially if you're parents of little ones right now, but also if you're grandparents, but also if you are single, also if you don't have kids, uh, also if you're a high school student, because here's the reality for so many of us, we think, you know what, I'll eventually get my life together once I'm married or once I have kids. And it doesn't necessarily work that way. Right now, God is calling us to establish patterns and habits in our lives that will impact us for the rest of our lives. So regardless of the season of life that you're in, this message today in this series will have life-changing implications. And what we're talking about today is establishing a stronghold, choosing a firm foundation. So if you have your Bible, Bibles, let's stand as we honor the reading of God's word, Matthew chapter 7, starting in verse 24. Now, Jesus has just gotten uh, most of the Sermon on the Mount preached. This is towards the end of the Sermon on the Mount, the greatest message ever preached. And this is what Jesus says in verse 24 of Matthew chapter 7. He says, everyone who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who builds his house on the rock. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house, but it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who builds his house on the sand. The rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat against that house and it fell and great was the fall of it. Heavenly Father, right now in this moment, would you take over our hearts and our minds and God, we pray that we would go beyond hearing your word, understanding your word, but that you would give us the strength to live it out. God, where there's change that needs to take place in our hearts today, God, would you change us? Now the men, the women, the moms, the dads, the singles, the grandparents that you want us to be. God, I pray for your help that you would speak through me with great passion. 
great clarity, great boldness. I thank you for the privilege it is to gather together and hear from you today. Have your way in our lives today. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Go ahead and grab a seat. I wanna encourage you to grab your message notes out. You can see that there's notes on the front and the back today. Uh, Lots of opportunities, a lot of content, and we're gonna jump right in because I believe that there are three points that Jesus wants us to see today as we talk about building uh, just a solid foundation for our families. The first point is simply this. Notice the similarities. There are several different similarities between these two men that Jesus is talking about in Matthew chapter seven, and I wanna focus on three of them. Number one is simply both men hear Jesus's words. Both both men heard Jesus's words. Uh, Jesus has just gotten towards the end of the Sermon on the Mount, and he's talked about what it means to live the Christian life, what it means to live as a follower of Jesus, how to love God, how to love people. And I love because in the very beginning of the Sermon on the Mount, what does Jesus start with? He starts with attitude. Some of you have heard that attitude is everything, and it's so true. And Jesus lays the foundation for the attitude that's necessary for followers of Jesus Christ. And then he jumps in and he talks about salt and light. He says, you are the light of the world. You are the salt of the earth. Why is that so important? Because light attracts people. Light shines in the midst of darkness. Salt helps with decay. And boy, I can't think of another time in history where people in California need to be salt and light like never before. Our world is decaying, our world is filled with darkness and Jesus has called us for such a time as this to be the salt and to be the light. And you know, so many people are leaving California and if you're praying about that and God's leading you in that direction, uh, support you 100%, but for a lot of us, God's calling us to stay here. Why? Because we have a mission field unlike ever, never before. I mean, there are so many people from other states, other countries that are sending people to California because there's so many lost people. And so what are we willing to do? We're willing to put off a better life now because we know that there's a better life in the future. We're we're willing to focus on the the here and now because we know that that God holds a better tomorrow for us. I'm getting all fired up right now, watch out. Um, But we are called to be the salt and the light. And Jesus goes on and he talks about what it looks like to, to pray and what it looks like to fast and what it looks like to give all of these different principles that we see in the Sermon on the Mount. So both men hear these words, like us. And here's what's gonna separate every single one of us. We're gonna fall into one of two camps today. We're, we're gonna fall into the camp of those that actually live the words of Jesus out and those that don't. Those that allow the word of God to drop from our heads to our hearts and those of us that keep it up here just as intellectual knowledge. But both of these men heard Jesus's words. Second of all, both men build houses. Now, now we don't know anything about the difference of the houses for, for all that we know is that they're the same. Same in structure, same, same on, on the outside, maybe the same uh, resources. But, but when it says houses, in the Greek word, it's the same as household. It's the same as family. So these people are, are building their lives, their families, their households. Uh, and we're gonna soon see that they're on different foundations, but they're both building houses. But then lastly, both men or both houses experienced storms. The wind blew, the rains came, 
and they experience storms. Now, what is a storm? A storm is some kind of a crisis. It's a test. It's a trial. It's a difficult time. Now, let me just communicate briefly the difference between a test and a temptation. A test is from God. It's built to strengthen us. A temptation is from Satan. It's bent to tear us down. Jesus will never tempt us. He will send us tests to build us up and strengthen us. Satan will tempt us to destroy us. But every single one of us will experience storms in our lives. And some of these are planned and some of these are unplanned. Uh, What are the planned ones? Well, often when you know that you're pregnant, you're going to have children, you can kind of plan for that. Sometimes you don't plan on having children and you get to have some unexpected things happen and you're like, okay, our family's starting earlier than we expected. Uh, Sometimes, you know, you plan financially for um, your kids going to college and you've got three kids in college at the same time. Uh, Other times you lose a job and there's these unplanned financial challenges, but we will experience relational challenges. We will experience financial challenges. We will experience spiritual challenges. We will experience mental health challenges where we go through times of anxiety and depression. We don't even plan on that. The reality is, is that we will all experience storms in our lives, trials in our lives. And I love what James said, the half brother of Jesus, Jesus said, or James said, consider pure joy, my brothers, when you go through trials of many kinds. It's like, say what? Why? Not because of the trial itself, but because of what the trial produces. Don't miss this. James goes on in verse three and four and says, so that you may be mature and complete, lacking in nothing. What do trials do when when our foundation's right? It strengthens us to be more and more like Jesus. But there are similarities in this passage where both men heard the words of Jesus, both men built houses, and both men experienced storms. Every one of us will experience storms in life, and you're either in one right now or one's right around the corner. But notice not only the similarities, point two in your notes, and this is where we're gonna spend most of our time, notice the differences. And boy, if there's one word that I could encourage you with today would be be different. When the world looks at you and your coworkers look at you and your friends look at you and your neighbors look at you, live in such a way where they say, man, there's something different about the way that, that you live. There's something different about the way that you carry yourself. There's something different about the way that you talk. There's something different about the way that your family lives their li- your life. And, and it's gonna be because of your foundation. Now notice the differences in three different ways. One man obeyed and the other did not. Again, that's what's gonna separate us today. We're all hearing the words of Jesus, but one of us will, some of us will obey and some of us will not. James 1.22 says, be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. James said even the, the demons believe in God and they shudder. You know, I think a lot of us have a, a false sense of spiritual maturity. I think a lot of times we think that spiritual maturity is, is based upon how long we've been a Christian or how much knowledge of the Bible that we have. Friends, you can be a Christian for 50 years and still be an infant in your faith. Because true spiritual maturity is not based upon how much of the Bible you know, it's how much of the Bible you live out. It's it's obedience. And I think so, so often if we're not careful, we get caught up in, you know what, I wanna, I wanna learn a lot and obey a little. What would happen if we changed that and said, I wanna learn a little and obey a lot? 
because that's really what, what Jesus is after. In fact, this is what he says in Matthew chapter 28, verse 18 to 20. He says, Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you. I love that. Not some of them, not most of them, all of them. And, sh and be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. That's a new living translation. I love that it says obedience in there. Um, now, here in your notes is a couple things. Number one, avoid selective obedience and situational obedience. Now, why is this so important? What is selective obedience? Selective obedience is where we go through the Bible and we treat it like a buffet, where we pick and choose the areas of scripture that we wanna obey based upon what's comfortable and what we like. Being a follower of Jesus Christ does not mean that we have Selective obedience. Jesus just said, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. The difficult things, the things that are gonna cost us to follow Christ, it will cost you. It will cost you your time. It will cost you finances. It will cost you relationships. You will lose friends. Why? Because Jesus Christ has not called us to live a life of selective obedience, not only selective, situational. What is situational obedience? Situational obedience is obeying God only when other people are watching. Only when it's not gonna cost you. No, no, we are called not to live with selective or situational obedience, but we are we are honoring God all of the time. In other words, when you file your income taxes, you honor God. Even though there's ways that you think you could cheat the system, no, that's situational and selective obedience. And we're called to obey Jesus in every area of our lives. Now, not only that, we're to communicate the why of obedience, especially to our kids and our grandkids. Why, why do we obey? We obey God because we love him. We obey God because he first loved us. One of the greatest ways that we can communicate our love for Jesus is through obedience. And this is what it says in the scriptures. It says, Jesus said, if you love me, obey my commandments. And one of the greatest ways that we can communicate our obedience is not just through hearing the word, but living it out. Second of all, in 2 John, it says this, and this is love, that we walk according to his commandments. This is the commandment, just as you have heard from the beginning, so that you should walk in it. I love that. So we're obeying God because we love him. One of the greatest ways we can teach our kids to obey us is simply it's an overflow of their love for us. Because ultimately, we want our kids to obey Jesus out of an overflow of their love for them. Now, this doesn't mean that we won't disobey our kids or uh, um, discipline our kids at times. God's calling somebody, you better pick up that phone because he wants you to say yes to him. <laughs> There's gonna be times in, in your kids' lives where they are disobedient and sometimes you, you have to ask why. Why are they acting this way? You know, there was a pastor, his name was Jeff, one of Ed Kelly's old, old lead pastors. Uh, he was in a van going by Winco and they were all on strike. And uh, he had little kids in his car. I don't know how many, but... Uh, here's a pastor, rolled down his window to these Winco employees that were on strike. And this is what he yelled to him, go back to work and get a job. And uh, rolled up the windows and drove off and his kids were in the car. Well, the next week while he was at work, his wife went by Winco with the kids in the car. 
and they're just, you know, going by Winco and the kids all roll down their windows. And it's great, they stick their heads up and guess what they yell? Go back to work, get a job. And she's like, why would you say that? And we're like, well, we were with dad last week and that's what he yelled, right? So you gotta be careful what you model for your kids, but we gotta make sure we discipline them because sometimes we can be way too hard and sometimes it's just false threats. You know, I hear parents sometimes say one, two, three, and the kid in their mind is like four, five, six, right? That they know that mom and dad are gonna do absolutely nothing. Or, or they say, hey, little Jimmy, if you do that again, I'm gonna take your iPad away for 10 years. And it's like, really? Like 10 years, you're gonna like put it in a safe and then bring it out 10 years later? Like that's a threat that kids are not gonna listen to. So our kids need to be brought up in the discipline and the instruction of the Lord. And discipline is so important. And sometimes one of the wisest things we can do is just ask our kids, especially when they're in junior high, high school, hey, what do you think an appropriate uh, consequence was, would be? Because lots of times they're gonna be a whole lot more harder on themselves than we would be. Uh, one of the pastors that, that used to work here years ago, it was probably about 16 years ago, his daughter was in junior high and uh, she got in trouble. So he said, hey, I'm gonna take away all your clothes. Took away um, a bunch of her clothes, only left her with a select few, put them in black garbage bags, brought them to the church. And she had them gone for a month and it was time to give them back. And he realized that the maintenance team thought they were garbage and threw them all away. Yeah, isn't that horrible? So parents, be careful, all right? Parents, be careful. Uh, so not only do we see that one man obeyed and the other did not. Second of all, one man was wise and the other was foolish. One man was wise, what, the other was foolish. What does it mean to be wise? It means to, to apply the knowledge that God has given us. Now, we have to ask ourselves the question, like why would someone ignore building their family or life on a solid foundation? Why would somebody ignore building a foundation on Jesus Christ? And I think there's a couple of different reasons why. In fact, three, I think one would be appearance. Like all this, this feel-good Christianity where we want the appearance of having it all together, we want the appearance of being spiritual when, when really we don't wanna follow through with the commitment the cost of following Jesus. And so we'll attend church and we'll even serve, we'll read our Bibles, but people don't see the fact that our foundation is truly not on Jesus Christ. It's on something or someone else. I, th I think the other thing is time. I think a lot of times uh, people want a quick fix and they don't understand that, that the Christian life is a marathon, it's not a sprint. And there's a daily walk with Jesus Christ. So I think appearance time, but lastly, I think it's, it's work. It is hard work to be a Christian. Why? Because it's daily dying to yourself. Now, now there's so many different things that we can end up putting our foundation in that, that are subtle. But for some of us, we put our foundation in our kids. What does that mean? That means that our life does not revolve around Jesus Christ. It revolves around our kids. What they want their schooling, their friends, their activities. For some of us, our life revolves around our jobs. Everything is about making the next step and where our company will take us, lead us, our, our life revolves around our jobs. For others of us, our, our life, our foundation is our marriage. In other words, our anchor in our life is not Jesus Christ, it's our spouse, which is so unfair to our spouse because we are putting pressure on our spouse that they cannot carry. 
the greatest foundation we're seeing in this passage is that our foundation, our anchor has to be on Jesus Christ. Why? Jesus Christ is the only foundation, the only anchor that will never let us down, which brings us to our next point. Here's the difference. It's one man built a firm foundation, the other built on a weak foundation. It was sand. You ever been to the beach and build a sand castle? <laughs> what happens? Eventually it's destroyed. Not just because of the structure, but because of the foundation. Now it doesn't matter the kind of physical building you have on the outside. You have to have a solid foundation. You know, the, the Golden Gate Bridge, built in the 1930s, they had to use underwater explosives to go down 65 feet into the ground to make sure that both of those pillars have a solid foundation. And what's happened over the years, there's been earthquakes, there's been wind, there's been rain. What's the strength of the Golden Gate Bridge? It's its foundation. Now, some of you are thinking, well, what if I haven't made the commitment to build my life on Jesus Christ? Here's a, here's a couple things that you can do. Number one is simply this, make a commitment to follow Jesus. Make a commitment to follow Jesus. Now, let's just be real practical just for a moment. I'm gonna sit down. I think for some of us, we think that we have to have it all together as followers of Jesus Christ. Nobody will ever have it all together. I don't have it all together. Kids will always wanna follow a parent that's always real instead of pretending that they're always right. What would it look like for you today as a grandparent, as a parent to say, hey, you know what? I haven't always honored the Lord. I haven't always done the, the right things, but today moving forward, I'm gonna anchor my life on Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is gonna be my foundation. And from this day forward, by God's grace, things are gonna be different. Th things are gonna change. You know, I have time uh, at night to pray with my kids and uh, Drew and Hallie, and I'll ask them how they can pray. I can be praying for them and I'll pray for them, but I'll also pray for myself that I haven't arrived there that I'm just a person that is growing in my walk with Jesus Christ. So I think part of the time, we just need to make sure that we're being honest with our kids and saying, you know what, I haven't arrived yet, but I'm on this journey with you. Uh, I'm following Christ with you. And, and we're gonna do this together as a family. And as a dad, I'm gonna take the lead. If you're a single mom, you're gonna take the lead in what this looks like. But the first thing that we need to do is we need to make the commitment to follow Jesus. Second of all, as I'm getting older, it's a little bit harder to get up. Um, <laughs> We need to look for and utilize teaching moments. We need to, to look for and utilize um, teaching moments. In other words, we're constantly looking for opportunities to tell our kids about, about Jesus. So uh, my, my family was in San Francisco uh, several weeks ago and there was a gentleman probably in his 80s. He fell down and pointed out to my kids, pulled the car over to the side of the road, jumped out of the car, picked him up and uh, his wife was there. He was okay. And we went on our way. What teaching moment. When you see somebody that's hurting, you get out of your car and you pick them up. And hopefully in the future, my kids are going to be looking for people that are hurting and they're probably going to be like, dad, you should go over and help 
pick that person up, right? It's, it's gonna happen, it, it's gonna happen. And when it gets really, really challenging, at least for me, is when it's food. Because I'll go through the drive-through with my kids and you know, especially when they were younger, you make sure they have all of their um, food and they're like pterodactyls. They just eat it as you know, quickly as possible and I'm the only one left with my burger and I'm getting ready to eat it. And you know, Hallie or Drew would have said, hey dad, look, there's a homeless person. They don't have any food and you should probably give them your hamburger. And it's like, yeah, real easy to say because you just wolf yours down, right? So, so it, it will cost us. But this is what it says in Deuteronomy chapter six. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your, your God with your, all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. And these words that I command to you today shall be on your heart. Don't miss that. Moms, dads, grandparents, it starts with us. Why? We cannot pass on to our kids what we do not possess personally. He goes on and says, you shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise. This is just all the time where we are constantly having spiritual conversations about what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ. Hey, look at the way that those two couples are, are treating each other. It's so nice that they're talking respectfully or Notice that we don't do that as Christians because they're being disrespectful as, as a husband and wife. I love the hymn, On Christ the Solid Rock I Stand. It says, my hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. On Christ the Solid Rock I Stand. All other ground is sinking sand. All other ground is sinking sound. Uh, Ephesians 2.20 puts it this way. It says, together we are his house built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets and the cornerstone is Christ Jesus himself. I love that. What, what does it mean to be a cornerstone? It means that you're the anchor, you're the foundation. Every other measurement, every other stone is measured against this cornerstone. This is where the alignment takes place. And if you're not lined up with a cornerstone, what happens? You're gonna get off. Jesus Christ is our cornerstone. Now let's get super practical just for a moment. How do we help our children build their life on Jesus? How do we do this? Four, four really practical ways. Number one, help them develop a biblical worldview. Help them develop a biblical worldview. What does that mean? That means that every decision they make is funneled through the word of God. And if there's one question we help our kids ask, it's this question, what does the Bible say? Hey mom, hey dad, what do you think about this? Well, here's what I think, but let's go back and see what the Bible says. Let, let's think about what God has to say for our lives and we're training them so that they are constantly thinking, what does the Bible say? What does the Bible say? What does the Bible say? When they go, get out to college, you're not telling them to ask that question. They're asking themselves that question. What does the Bible say about my purity? What does the Bible say about my sexuality? What does the Bible say about relationships? What does the Bible say about creation and evolution? We have trained our kids to have a biblical worldview. Why? Because the world is ripping that apart. What does the Bible say? This is God's plan A. I think another question we can ask our kids is what would Jesus do? Man, to not just have the, the mind of Christ, but to have, have the heart of Jesus, to develop a biblical world view. Second of all, model the life and the lifestyle we want to see in our children. 
model the life and the lifestyle we wanna see in our children. In other words, the light for living for Christ is always on. Why? Because for kids, more is caught than what is taught. Your kids will learn so much from you. The good stuff and the bad. And that's where we just take responsibility for our lives and we say, I'm sorry, I was wrong, please forgive me. They're like sponges. I don't know about you, but when I wanna learn how to fix something, I don't read something, I turn on YouTube and I watch somebody that's done it. Why? Because I learn so much better from watching than I do just, just listening or reading something. That's kids. You know, my dad was not um, the perfect dad, but when it comes to model the life and the lifestyle we wanna see in our children, there's a couple things that I'll never forget um, from, my, from my dad. I've, to this day, 46 years old, I've never heard my dad cuss. Never. Some of you are like, all righty. I can start with day one today, right? That's not to make you feel guilty. But I just, just what an impression of the words that came out of his mouth. He would get frustrated, he would get angry, but, but he wouldn't cuss. And then when he would get angry, when he get, would get frustrated, when he was too hard on us, he would, he would always own it. The words, I'm sorry, I was wrong, please forgive me, was something that my dad modeled for me. My dad modeled for me, Jeremy, take responsibility for your life. Take responsibility for your sin. Don't make excuses. Don't justify it. Own it and be a man. Now, my dad was far from perfect. I'll never forget, uh, my mom left one afternoon and it was lunchtime and we didn't know what to have for lunch and said, Dad, what, which way have for lunch? And that day we had 32 ounce root beer floats for lunch. It was like the best lunch ever. My mom came home and said, hey, how was lunch? We just all said, Mom, it was awesome. And my dad's like, don't tell her what we had, you know? <laughs> he would have us, after playing basketball for three hours on Sundays, he would have us go to Carl's Jr. and get, drink like seven or eight glasses of soda. Like that's the worst thing you can do after playing basketball. You're already dehydrated. He would get cramps every Sunday night. It was like insane. So he didn't have it all together. But one of the things he really tried to do is model the life and the lifestyle that he wanted to see in us. Thirdly, create a stable and secure environment in the home. Stable and secure. How do you communicate that your kids are, are secure? You remind them that there's nothing they could ever do to lose their salvation. Nothing. There's nothing they could ever do that would cause Jesus to love them any less. And the same with you. If they fail all of their classes, if they drop out of high school, if they lose their job, there's nothing they could ever do that would cause you as a mom or a dad to love them any less. You're always gonna love them. You're always gonna be there for them. But you're also going to encourage them and challenge them to be the boy and the girl and the future man or woman that God wants them to be. So they look back at life and say, man, I was so secure in your love, but also stable in the fact that you wanted what was best for me. And that you were my greatest encouragement. And you were my greatest source of strength outside of Jesus Christ. I think to, 
to protect our kids from things that they don't need to, to hear or experience. One of the things my, my parents always did when they got into a fight or an argument or a disagreement, they would always go in the garage. Why? Because they didn't want us to hear them arguing. I thought that was so great. There were times in, in my life, especially as a young kid, we, we had very little money. My parents told me about a story one time where they went through all their change just so they could get enough money to go to the store and get some soup. I never knew about it. Why? Because they were focused on providing a stable and secure environment for us. Now, if you're, you're married here today, one of the greatest things that you can do is create a stable marriage, regardless of the past. Maybe today, one of the greatest things that, that you wanna focus on is your marriage. And boy, we got a marriage class coming up. Um, it's coming up May 9th, it's five weeks. And whether your marriage is struggling or your marriage is strong, it's only five weeks. Vertical marriage, this is gonna infuse some strength into your marriages. I would encourage you to attend it. But this, this is how to have a stable and secure home for your kids. As your marriage thrives, your kids will thrive. You know, John uh, MacArthur put it this way. He said, Pop, contrary to popular opinion, the most important characteristic of a godly mother is not her relationship with her children. It is the love for her husband. The love between a husband and wife is the real key to a thriving family. A healthy environment cannot be build exclusively on the parents' love for their children. The properly situated family has marriage at the center. Family shouldn't revolve around the children. I love what John MacArthur said this about husbands. He says, the Christian husband displays what he thinks of Christ by the way he treats his wife. Wow. You know, if you're married, Focus on your marriage. And if you're here and you're a single parent, by God's grace, I believe that he's gonna give you the strength and everything that you need to build that solid foundation on Jesus Christ as you focus on the future. Lastly, communicate that Christianity is a relationship, not just a religion. It's a personal relationship. You know, when I was, I was growing up, I just didn't want to disappoint my parents and I, I wanted to obey them and please them. And there became a point in my life where wanting to please them changed because the greatest person I wanted to please was Jesus Christ. And this is what separates Christianity from every other religion. Only Christianity is about a per personal relationship. All other religions is about us trying to reach a deity or a God to, to please us and that, that God would be benefited. Not with Christianity. Christianity is about God coming to us so that we can be benefited. The Bible says that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And I'm so glad that we have a God that knows us, that we can talk to on a regular basis, that we can have a personal relationship with. And so we pray with our kids and we teach them how to pray and have this personal relationship. We've seen the, the differences. We've seen the similarities. But notice lastly, notice point three of the results. In the midst of the storm, 
the house that was built on Jesus Christ, the family that obeyed the words of Jesus stood strong. The winds blew and the rains fell, but it stayed strong. But the house that was built on sand, which is anything else but Jesus Christ, it fell and great was that fall. Friends, your foundation will be tested. And it will be tested in three different ways. Number one, it will be tested in the storms of life. Are you building your life on the foundation of Jesus Christ that will never change? Foundation of Jesus Christ that alone can sustain you. It, it will be tested during storms. Second of all, it will be tested at the day of judgment when you stand before God. What's gonna separate us is one of two things. Either we've built our life on Jesus Christ or we haven't. And then thirdly, it can be tested today. Today in the honesty of your own heart, you can look at your own life and say yes or no, that you're building your life on Jesus Christ. And if you're not, today is a brand new day to say, God, I wanna build my life on your word. I wanna build my life on your son. I want my kids to have a stable, secure environment because our home, our household, my life will be built on the word and the work of Jesus Christ. And that's my prayer for every single one of us, regardless of the past, regardless of last week, regardless of years ago, where maybe you've built your life on everything and anything but Jesus Christ. Today's a new day. Today's a new day for us to say, I'm gonna build my foundation or my life on the foundation of Jesus Christ. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, God, we love you so much. And we thank you that... Today is a new day to walk in your grace. So God, we pray that you would help us. Help us to live a life that's founded on the word of God. With all heads bowed, nobody looking around, you're here today and you recognize that your foundation is not Jesus Christ. You can make that decision today for yourself, for your family, that moving forward, your life is gonna be so much more than just attending church. But it's living a life that seeks to walk in obedience to the scriptures. If that's your prayer today, just tell Jesus, God, would you help me as a single parent, God, would you help me in my marriage? Would you help me and my grandkids? Would you help me as a single adult? Would you help me to live a life that's ultimately founded on you and your word? Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for what you're doing in this place. We pray that right here at Shelter Cove, you would help us to build strong families that are anchored on you and your word. It's in Jesus' precious and holy name we pray. Amen and amen.